Happy Friday to everyone. Good morning, good morning, good morning. You are watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we're certainly glad to be among you guys on today. And hope that you are having a fantastic Friday morning thus far in the name of the Lord. Uh, we're going to open up with a word of prayer and then we're going to jump right into our word for today coming out of Proverbs 3 and 9. Um, and uh, we uh, feel free to drop down in the comment box with any questions, comments or concerns that you may have. And um, and yeah, uh, we're just going to we're just going to jump right into our um, into our word for today. And I'm glad I got the mic working today um straight off the bat instead of um, y'all looking at me in silence trying to figure out what in the world is going on um but again yeah we're going to jump into our um into a prayer and we're going to have um my word coming out of proverbs 3 and 9 on this morning uh so heavenly father we thank you we thank you for this day thank you for gathering us here together to give your name praise glory and honor through this morning show we're hoping god that you are glorified in everything that we say and do on today Lord God, let the words that come out of my mouth be all of you and none of me. Uh, Lord God, may this morning show edify someone's soul on today. May it lift, may it inspire, may it encourage, uh, convict and comfort, Lord God. Uh, we ask that you just continue to saturate us with your love, with your presence, with your grace. Um, um, empower us to draw nearer to you every single day, every single moment of our lives um lord god we're asking special prayer for those who are going through tough times on today lord god anyone who's struggling with anything lord uh we ask that you just remind us of uh of your love remind us of your grace remind us of your kindness and remind us of your strength uh lord god that our, that your strength is made perfect through our weakness lord uh we're asking um that you just continue to just love us in a mighty and powerful way and continue to just encourage us on today to do the things that you have called us to do lord god we love you on today um and as we draw before your throne on today we just ask that you just continue just to give us wisdom uh give us encouragement give us strength uh give us truth on today lord god that we may be able to stand um in the evil day um and we're just grateful for all that you have done all that you're doing and all that you're going to do and we thank you for your son jesus christ who paved the way for us all when he died on the cross and rose again and credited his righteousness to us um, so that we may be called the righteousness of God. And we're so grateful and give your name, praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So thank you again, once again, for joining me on this morning. I hope that you guys are having a fantastic uh, Tuesday, listen to me, Tuesday, Friday morning. Um, if you miss any of this uh, show you may go on Spotify and soon Apple podcast as well and catch this show and all our other shows uh, in their entirety um, just go to the true gospel morning show the podcast and you'll be able to catch up on any episode that we may have and so we are thankful and grateful and, and ask that God just continue to um, you know give us um, you know, give us grace, give us truth, and give us peace on this day. And certainly excited that you guys are here um, on this morning. Somebody said for a half second, I thought this was Wayne Brady. Hey, 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 hey. Okay, okay, okay. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Um, thank you for the compliment. I do appreciate that so much. Um, but yeah, we're going to be coming out of Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 on this morning. 
uh, to answer the question, what does it mean to honor the Lord with earthly possessions? Again, drop down in the comment box if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, and we'll get to them later on in the show. Uh, but we're going to ask the, the answer the question, what does it mean to honor the Lord with your earthly possessions? Coming out of Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Uh, it says, um, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. Again, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. Um, we, when we're given this, we're given this description in the Word. We got to remember what life was like for the Israelite nation at the time when, you know, talking about first fruits and talking about honoring God with wealth. Um, some people will take this verse and think it to mean that that's God's prescri um, prescription on how to get rich or how to always have, you know, um, always have everything that they could possibly ask for. Um, some people will sometimes take this to try to, you know, find a way to open up God's hand, you know, and, 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 and use him like a genie to just open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings and things. In the Old Testament, um, and in, in the Israelite nation um, prior to Jesus' arrival, um, the, and the sacrificial system was set up in such a way to where um, the, the, the Israelites were um, told to take care of the Levitical priesthood, the, the priests of that time, um, by, you know, giving the, the, the church, the priests, uh, their first fruits. Um, and so every year of the of every year they would have a harvest, and they would give the they would give their tithes the ten percent. They would give ten percent um, to ten percent. There was a ten percent that was given to the Levitical priesthood, and a ten percent that was given to orphans and widows. Um, and this was set up so that every person in Israel had plenty so that they could go about doing the things that they needed to do. The Levitical priesthood, they did not have any farmland. They did not, you know, own cows, did not own cattle, did not own any grains. And so the first fruits were collected so that the Levitical priesthood could have something to eat. And in doing so, they could go about doing the, their priestly duties all year long. Um, they had, so they had food to eat. They had, you know, animals with which to make clothing. They had um, you know, um, uh, um, 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 animals which with to make sacrifices, their yearly sacrifices, because they too had to be sacrificed for, um, um, in order to make for, um, for their atonement and things for the yearly atonements. Um, and so they, so everybody had, and God, I promised them that if they gave to, you know, to the Levitical priesthood, and if they gave for the orphans and the widows, one the orphans and widows. Let me let me go back to that. And so for the orphans and widows, back in that time frame and in that system, orphans and widows. Once you didn't have a husband, or you didn't have someone who was in charge of land and things, or you didn't have you know land of your own in some type of way, you basically were you know out of luck um, back in that time frame. And so they had it set up to where if you were an orphan or a widow, you also had plenty. Um, you had something to eat. You had something with which to um, 
make clothes, on and on and on. And so they had it set up in such a way, the, the system was set up in such a way to where everybody in the nation was taken care of. There was no one who was lacking, no one who had who had who was slacking in any way, shape, or form. Um, and so God set it up that way so that everybody was taken care of. And so your Levitical priests were taken care of, your orphans and your widows were taken care of. Anyone who stood in need of something, they had something. And God promised them, if you do right by your priests and if you do right by those who don't have I promise that I will, you know, keep, you know, the harvest, you keep the keep the land going well. I will keep everything, you know, going great and you will never go lacking. You will never go lacking. You will always have plenty. You will always have enough to get from one day to the next. You will always have, you know, enough in your storehouse in order to, you know, in order to thrive um as a people. And so, um in this verse we find Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. It is a it is a description, not a prescription, in in so much that back in Israelite in the Israelite days, honoring God with first fruits was always about, you know, making sure that those who were, you know, um that those who are again in the Levitical priesthood and the widows and the orphans were taken care of. When we fast forward, um, you know, post Christ, um, honoring God with first fruits and honoring God with wealth and possessions, it does it no longer means you know taking care of the Levitical priesthood and taking care of um, and taking care of orphans and widows, but the care and concern that we should have for our fellow man and how in our concern for God is still the same. In so much that the Levitical priesthood was our way of honoring God, so that the Levitic, in that the Levitical priesthood were doing the priestly duties, the ones who were, um, you know, who were drawing us near to God, um, drawing us near to God back in that time. Now that you know God has made what has come to us, and we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, the question we have to ask ourselves is, how are we honoring God with our possessions? How are we honoring God with our wealth? How are we honoring God with our dollars? And so we so you know part of it is giving to the church according to how God prescribes prescribes it in our hearts, but also looking at the things that we own and looking at the things that we have and asking the question, how am I honoring God with the things that I own? How do I honor God with my electronics? How do I honor God with my books? How do I honor God, you know, with my with my uh, with my cell phone? How do I honor God, you know, in my in my daily drive? How are the things that I own, the things that I possess, the things that I'm gathering in my house? How are how am I honoring God with these things? And how am I honoring God with my money? Where am I spending my money? Where's my money going? How is this helping? You know, how, you know, where, where, where are my dollars going? I say this often that if you want to know where your idols are, check what you're spending your money on. If you want to know what your idols are, where your demons are, the things you're struggling with, check how you spend your money. Because how you spend your money is one indicator, one surefire indicator as to what has your attention and what has your affections. 
So be mindful of how you're spending your wealth, how you're spending your first fruits, how you're spending the cash that God is allowing you to have and the um and where and where the where those monies are going because that's a surefire way to know how you are honoring God and excuse me, what is what what is keep what is keeping you from being able to have a deeper relationship with him. <clears throat> that's number 1. Number 2, just like um the Levitical priests, uh, just like the um the the orphans and the widows were to be taken care of by those fir- by those same first fruits, how are we using our time, our money, our resources, whatever we have, to help others along the way? How are we? Are, you know, how are we? You know, using our dollars to help our our brothers and sisters? How are we helping the people that stand in need? You know, are we willing to give what we have? You know, even if even if we you know have just a little bit, are we willing to give that little bit if if someone stands in need of something? You know, the first the first and second command, the first and second of the greatest commandments are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then the second is like it, to love thy neighbor as thyself. Those two commandments are embedded within this context. Because how we spend our money, how we use our resources, how we use our time, how we use our attention, you know, how are we using it to honor God and how are we using it to help others? Embedded with embedded within that. And so... What does it mean to honor the Lord with your earthly possessions? It simply means watch how you spend your money. Watch where your money is going. Now, I'm not saying that you can't have things. I mean, just look at all the stuff on my shelf. This is stuff. Now, some of it, you know, is directly God stuff. So you got your you got your books and your things. But then you also have stuff that I just like to collect. So you got my Marvel stuff. I got my puzzles over here. I... <clears throat> Got my exercise stuff down there. Got some things down there. Got therapy books sitting in front of me. You know, and so you can have nice things. So this is not a prescription to say that you should not have nice things. I'm not, that's not what this is saying. You know, you can have possessions. You can have things that, you know, that make you happy and make you feel good. But again, how are we utilizing these things in a way that honors God? You know, and you know, am I making an idol out of these things? You know, am, are these things more important to me than my relationship with God? Do I spend more time with these things than I do with the Lord? When you think about, you know, uh, you know, because I, I, I got a collection of video games. You know, am I finding myself playing the video games more than I am spending time with the Lord? You know, do I spend more time, you know, playing this, sitting there, you know, my mind just, you know, trying to get this thing, trying to win this game more so than I am spending time with my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and, you know, meditating on his word and getting to know him more like you know, do I spend more time listening to the music that I that I love to listen to more so than I do spending time with the Lord and, and, and getting to know him more and delighting in him more? Like the, the books that I buy, you know, am I you am I am I trying to become more head knowledge in the in the in the therapy that I do more so than I am about deepening my relationship with the Lord? Do I spend more time, you know, playing mindless games on my phone than I do spending time with the Lord and meditating on his word and empowering myself in the Lord and delighting in him. So again, you can have nice things, but those things should never supersede God. And so watch how you're spending your money because if by, by, by spending your money on things 
and those in the in the accumulation of those things, if that pursuit becomes greater than your love for God and your desire for God and your delight in God, then you are not honoring God with your possessions. Secondly, in that in that same vein, how can we honor God with the things that we have? So again, you know, I'm not saying you can't play a video game. I'm not saying you can't have leisure time. I'm not saying that you can't, you know, zone out and veg out. Because every now and then, we need a good moment. We need a good Netflix movie just to kind of drown our minds out of what's going on. We, we sometimes just, we need that. You know what I'm saying? A hard day of work. Sometimes you just want to watch a good TV show. Um, but if you're spending every waking day of your life decompressing by zoning out on eight or nine hours of binge watching TV, you might need to check that because that, that possession is now becoming an idol where you're saying, unless I veg out on, you know, mindless television, then I can't relax when God is supposed to be our peace. You see what I'm saying? So how are what we have, how is what we have on, how are we using it to honor God? How are we utilizing it to give glory, honor, and praise to God? Secondly, again, you know, we got to watch how we are utilizing our resources to help others. Some of us can I call a spade are stingy with our with our wealth. We're stingy with our possessions. We're stingy with the things that we have. And we'll pick and choose who we decide to give our money to, to give our help to, to give assistance to. But God tells us in the word that anybody can do that. And that's not that's not truly love. That's so that's being selective and not really honoring not and not, and not as God honoring as we may think it is. He says in the word Matthew chapter five, starting at verse forty three, you have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sins rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly father is perfect. So God tells us in the word that we have to be careful. We have to be mindful. We have to be ever so ever so mindful that our heart's posture is not I'm only going to help people that I want that 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 love me or I'm only going to help people that are closest to me. Because that shows that the love that God has given to us um is not permeating in our hearts in such a way to where we feel the the need and the the gumption to help others who are in need. <clears throat> like we have to be ever so mindful and ever so careful that we're not being so you know um, so so what's the word I'm looking for? So selective in our assistance to others that when we see a brother and sister in need, we're withholding from them. Because we want to hold on to what we have and we want to give it to people that we feel are worthy. We got to remember, we are not worthy of anything that God has given us. We're not worthy of his love. We're not worthy of his grace. We're not worthy of his thanksgiving. We're not worthy of his kindness. We're not worthy of his forgiveness. We're not worthy of his justification. And we're not worthy of his help. 
And yet, through Christ and what he's done for us, God has demonstrated his love for us. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were in active, open rebellion against God, we Christ died for us. While we were deciding, I don't want anything to do with this man, he died for us. And as a result, the same love and compassion that he has for us, we should now pour out onto the landscape of, you know, of the of, of the of the of the world. And anytime we see a brother and sister in need, we should feel a compulsion to help them in any way with any way that we can. We often hear people say, you know, you know, I don't want to help just I don't want to just help anybody that's on the street because they may take my stuff and then go buy some liquor with it. That's on them. God knows your heart and knows what your intentions are. And so if your intention is to help somebody who's on the street corner, help them. Help them as you see fit. Now, again, I say this all the time. I'm not telling you to be a doormat. And so if you do help somebody, like say, for instance, if it's a family member or someone, you know, kind of on the, on the fringes of the family and you help them a few times and you see that it's not, you know, giving you, it's not helping them or it's not you're and it feels more like you're enabling them. Use wisdom, use wisdom, maybe not give them money, maybe go get them a meal, maybe go buy them some, some supplies, you know, rather than giving them the money to get the supplies because, you know, again, your heart's posture is, I want to help. And so use wisdom. Like, don't just give people your dollars if you know that they're going to do something with your dollars. You know, if you see a person on the street corner and the Burger King or the McDonald's or is right down the street and you want to give them something to eat, go get them something to eat and bring it back to them. Because, again, if they really want the help and that's what they're asking for, if you give it to them, they should receive it with gratitude. But again, our heart's posture should be that we don't withhold because, you know, I only want to help people that I know. No, God says, take care of the stranger, take care of the sojourner, take care of the widows, take care of the orphans, take care of those who are who who you see struggling. And, and in doing so, again, you know, that shows that we are honoring God with our possessions. We are honoring God with our wealth. Furthermore, as, as, I'm, as I'm talking about this, in Matthew chapter 6, continuing on in that kind of love your enemies um, train, Jesus says the following, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order, that, in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. For a lot of us in the social media age especially, everything becomes a photo op now. Everything's become a photo op. And so when we, so when we, so we got people now who, when they go and help somebody, they're trying to get in front of a camera. They're trying to show, uh, you know, uh, you know, on, on mission, on the mission trip, LOL, you know, for everybody to see what they're doing, for everybody to know what they're doing, you know, to, to get, to get likes and to get attention, you know, and a lot of people who have a lot of wealth, you know, they will give to organizations and charities 
but often they do it for either a tax write-off or they do it because <clears throat> they want to be seen doing some type of philanthropic work and so their hearts are not really in it now it's not our place to, to judge to put them in a heaven or a hell so you know whether they, they do, whether they have a walk with God or not that's not our place it's not our place to say whether they're regenerated or not um so God's going to use whatever he has to use in order to help those who are in need. But woe to the one who is doing that solely for a photo op. God knows the heart. He sees the heart. He sees what you're, he sees what we're doing. And if we're only doing it to try to, you know, capture some likes and capture some attention and things of that nature, then God's saying, I see you. I see you. I see you. And so, again, we have to, again, check our hearts. Check our hearts' posture. How are we honoring God with what we have? Again, it's not to say that we can't do posts and that we can't do those things, you know, but we just got to check our heart's motive and make sure that we're doing it with the right intentions. Because if we're not careful and we do things with the wrong intentions, God sees that. Doesn't mean that the help still won't be helpful, to the people who are in need, but again, check our hearts. What are we doing this for? What are we really doing this for? And so again, that's just a heat check. It's just a heart check. You know, just a pulse check. To be mindful that when we talk about honoring God with our possessions, that we are indeed loving God and loving others through our possessions, through the things that we have the things that we own, the money that we earn. How are we honoring God? Not honoring man, but honoring God. And so, um, I say, so I say this again, as I said in the beginning, you know, even when it comes to giving to the church, check your motives and check your heart. Check your heart's posture. If God is telling you to do something in giving to your church, do what God tells you to do. Don't let man manipulate you into doing something that doesn't honor God. Because a lot of times our churches today will manipulate us into giving things that God never said we were supposed to give. Giving more than we're supposed to, than, than God than God is saying to us in, as individuals what we're meant to give. The, 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 the prescription for us is to give with a cheerful heart. That is what we're supposed to do. We're to give with a cheerful heart. Sometimes we'll take the description and turn it into a prescription, and that's not what and that's not what we're meant to do. If we understand the texts, then it helps us to have a better understanding of what God wants us to do with our finances, what He wants us to do with our money, what He wants us to do when it comes to giving to the church, to giving to others, to giving to, to giving to people, to giving to ourselves. And so, whatever God is telling you to do, whatever He is compelling in your heart to do, that is what you do, and you do it cheerfully. Because again, God honors those who are willing to give from a free heart. A heart that is compelled by God to give by virtue of the love that God has given to us. And we give because God first gave. God gave his all when he got on the cross and died. And so whatever God compels us to give, that should flow from a heart that is so thankful that God, through Christ, died and rose again for us that we may have um, in, entry and access to the kingdom. So again, 
Don't let people scare you or bully you into doing things just because they have ripped some scriptures apart and made it sound really good. We got to know our word enough to where we're able to give the way God intends us to give um, from a free from a free heart, from a from a from a healed place, from a from a forgiven place, from a, a loving place, so that we can be what God has called us to be and do what God has called us to do. And so that is what Proverbs three nine and ten represent. They represent in loving God and loving others. How do we honor God and help others through our possessions? We check to see. You know, how am I honoring God with the things that I have? How do I, how am I honoring God with the things that I own? How am I honoring God with my money? How is what I'm doing giving God glory? How is what I'm, you know, what I'm, you know, putting my time and effort in, how is it honoring God? How does it glorify God? And then with my possessions, how am I helping others? What am I doing to help others? You know, how am I, you know, being there for others? How am I, you know, helping strangers? How am I helping my friends? How am I helping my loved ones? How am I helping, you know, my coworkers? Like, what, what, what am I doing with my, with my possessions? You know, do I hoard them and keep them to myself? Or am I willing, with wisdom, to give to others in such a way that God may be glorified through the, through the giving that I do? And so that is Proverbs 3, um, 9 and 10. May God add a blessing to the reading and the doing of his word. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for the 2,200 likes that we have received thus far. Uh, any gifts that you give to this live show will be going straight to the True Gospel Ministry. None of the dollars go to me. I got my own job, pay my own bills, make my own money. So no dime is going to me. I'm not like these NPCs out here trying to get y'all's money um, so that I can go sit in a lavish hotel somewhere. That is not my idea of a good time, and I wouldn't, I'm not going to do y'all like that. And so if you do decide to give a gift today, um, it's much appreciated, uh, but it is not required. Um, I'm just grateful for your time, grateful for your attention, and grateful for your, your viewership. Um, and so very, very thankful um, that you are spending a little bit of time with your boy on today. If you've missed any of this part of this, um, not this podcast, but this morning show, uh, you can go back to, um, and thank you, Brenda. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Um, but if you go, um, if you I have missed any part of this um, podcast, this show, dog it, man. It doesn't matter. If you've missed any part of this. You can go to our Spotify um, podcast, um, the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast. You can go there on Spotify immediately after the show to, to get any part of this and past episodes of the True Gospel Morning Show there on Spotify. And soon we will be on Apple Podcasts as well. I'm going to drop down in the comment section now to see what's going on down in the comment box. Uh, see what's going on. Let's see. Um, let's see. What's going on here? Um, give me a minute, give me a minute. Uh, let's see. 
Um, no, we're not going to do the Exodus 21 thing again. I already been there, done that, wore that t-shirt. We're not going there again. Uh, good morning, Idy. Good morning, um, Reverend Kramer. Good to see you this morning. It says I'm a false teacher. That's what's up. KJ Green 19 asked the question, how do I know I am saved? Um, that is a very good question. I'm going to write it down. Do I know I am saved? Um, so, everyone experiences salvation differently, but one surefire way to know that you are saved is if you have a conviction of sin. A conviction of sin. Um, and that conviction leads you to Jesus. Um, let me go to Second Corinthians. One second. Here we go. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. So to give context, in the book of 2 Corinthians, in the letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, um, they were going through some really interesting times in their church. Um, um, this, um, this son was sleeping with his dad's mom. I mean with his with his with his dad's wife. He was sleeping with the stepmama. And it bad enough that he was doing that. But what made it so bad was that the church was celebrating it. Like they were hyping it up. And Paul was like, excuse my language, oh hell no. We ain't doing that. And so he, you know, wrote this scathing letter to this church saying y'all know better than this like y'all in here celebrating the fact that this dude's son is sleeping with his wife y'all celebrating that like that's what that's what we doing now that's what we doing now we we in the we the church we celebrating that we hyping that up oh okay okay gotcha what would that start but we not finna do that and so the letter was scathing and i mean he was going in he's going in hard <clears throat> And as a result, um, he wrote this letter to them. But he wrote this letter to them in an attempt to try to get them to see how out of line with God that they were. And so in the, in the midst of um, the, the letter to the, the second letter, which is actually, I think, the fourth letter to the Corinthian church. But the second Corinthians letter, he says, starting in verse number five. Of chapter 7. 
For even when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without fear and um, fighting without and fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you, as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me. So that I rejoice still more. For even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point you have proved yourselves innocent in the matter. So although I wrote to you, it was not for the sake of the one who did the wrong, nor for the sake of the one who suffered the wrong, but in order that your earnestness for us might be revealed to you in the sight of God. Therefore, we are comforted. Um, therefore, we are comforted. And so in that, what we see is that when we have a relationship with the Lord, we're going to be convicted of our sin. We're, most of us are already convicted of sin as it is. But in order for us to, as I say all the time, for many of us, we know that Jesus exists. For many of us, we know that God exists. We can pretend that he doesn't, but for most of us, we know that he does. And in order for us to do what we want to do, we got to step over the cross. In order to do what we want to do, we got to bypass God. And so our hearts have to be hardened to do what we do and not care. To do what we do, do to do sin and to do wrong and to do outside of God's will, outside of our God's plan, we got to step and bypass God. Step and bypass Jesus. Step and bypass the Holy Spirit. And our hearts got to be hardened to actually do those things without us in our and not feel the weight of what we have done to for our conscience to be seared. So when you have a relationship with the Lord, one surefire way to know that you have a relationship with him is that if you even think about doing wrong, your conscience, your heart, your soul is grieved. It hurts more then you're accustomed to it hurting, even if, it's to, even if it's to the tiniest degree. Like, there is a moment where you're like, something ain't right about this. This don't feel right to me. And you got to lean into that. We have to lean into, this don't feel right. Something ain't right about this. This, don't, this ain't feeling right to me. Because that's the Holy Spirit that, that that's one of its primary jobs is to convict to convict us of sin, to convict us of our wrong, to convict us of the things that we're doing. That is one of the 
primary jobs of the Holy Spirit is if I'm messing up, the Holy Spirit is supposed to be like, mm, you're grieving me. You're grieving your soul. You're grieving me, the spirit living inside of you. And that is a surefire way to know that you're saved. Because godly grief, being grieved in the spirit, should lead to repentance. Remember, initial repentance is a denouncement of anything else that we dare put above God. God has our attention, our uppermost attention, our uppermost affection, our uppermost allegiance. And so that initial turn, so that, so that the, the, the repentance and belief, initial repentance, initial belief, that's what gets us into the kingdom. But now the process of sanctification is we're constantly turning. Because sin ain't going to leave us alone just because we're in the kingdom. So it's constantly trying to turn us back toward sin and death and evil and all that stuff. Doing things that are not godly, that are not God-honoring. And so we are constantly having to turn back, turn back, run back, go back to Christ and put our face in his face. And that is a constant thing that we do one day, one moment at a time. And so whenever we feel the weight of our sin, the weight of our shortcomings, when we are thinking wrong and feeling wrong, because you ain't got to act wrong. Sometimes we can think wrong and feel wrong. But when we feel that, we should feel a conviction. That ain't, that ain't, mm -mm, that's, that's not in line. That's, that's not aligned. And when we feel that, it should turn us back, turn us back to the Savior. <clears throat> For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to a salvation without regret. Give me one second. I want to find this, um, find this verse. Um... Psalm 51. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So, in um in the the, the storyline of David, David saw Bathsheba one day. While the, while the kingdom was out at war, he should have been out there with him, but he decided to stay home. Saw Bathsheba, but she was fine. I'm talking about she was bad. She, whatever, what, Kim Kardashian ain't, can't hold a candle to this chick. This chick was bad. And David was like, I gotta have her. Boys came to him and said, listen, man, that's, um, that's Uriah's wife. He was like, I don't care. Bring her here. Awful, 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 awful. Because you can't say no to the king, right? And this, this, it wasn't like she was like, oh, the king wants me. It was like, oh, shoot, the king wants me. And so, had his way with her. And she got pregnant. David was like, oh, crap. I got her pregnant. Tried to get Uriah to come home and sleep with his wife so he could pretend that the baby was his. Uriah came home and was like, man, listen, man, my boy's out there in war. I'm here with my wife. I, I don't feel right doing this. I'm going to sleep out. I'm going to sleep out there. I ain't going to sleep with my wife. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. And David was like, bruh, 
Go be with your wife, man. It's all good. Mm-mm, nah, bro. I, I just, I, I, my conscience, I, I, I don't feel right being here, being home. They out there in the middle of war. I should be out there with them. I shouldn't be home. That ain't right. I, I don't, I don't feel right being here and enjoying, you know, my wife while they out there doing their thing, you know, trying to win this battle. So nah, I'm, I'm gonna stay out here. And so David's like, all right, well, we're just gonna have to get him killed then. So you know, I'm gonna go send, I'm gonna send him out the front of the battle. They're like, dude, what do you what do you mean send him out? He's a general. Generals don't fight in the battle. That's what soldiers are for. I don't care. Send him out to the front lines. And so sure enough, you know, he they sent he sent Uriah out to the front lines and like a good soldier, Uriah was like, I got you. And Uriah gets killed. Now Bathsheba's a widow, and so he's like, Yay! Brings Bathsheba into his house, and now Bathsheba's one of his wives. Nathan, the prophet, Comes to um, it is it, told by God this thing happened and it's grieving God. It grieved God's spirit real bad, um, and so Nathan went to go talk to David and David and David and Nathan had a conversation and they said so there was this dude right who had this lamb, and he loved his lamb. This, the lamb was his best friend. They walked together. They talked together. You know he he raised his lamb up like it was one of his kids. And one day this dude came over and saw the lamb. Was like, ooh, I want that lamb, and the man took the lamb. And, and killed the lamb and you know the man was like I don't know what, what, where my lamb went what do you think we ought to do to that man and David was mad that man ought to be put to death Nathan said yo David that man is you cause you went and took Bathsheba had your way with her now mind you Nathan ain't been in the bit, but Nathan been home Nathan don't. Nathan ain't been in the in the, in in. Don't know nothing about what's going on. God gave this all to him in the vision. You took that. You took that woman, Bathsheba, and had your way with her. That wasn't even your, that wasn't your wife. You got all these wives and concubines in this house, and you had to go get the one person who wasn't yours. And then on top of that, you get the man killed. God's not pleased with that. And so, best believe when that when that son is born. I mean that that son ain't gonna make it. He he's not gonna make it when that kid when the kid's born. He's not gonna make it. I mean I, th- I think the kid was already born at the time. That kid's not gonna make it. And David David was like, please please have mercy on me. He was like, it's already written, bro. I'm 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 just a messenger. I'm finna go back home. Psalm fifty one is um is um the direct result of that conversation. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in my iniquity, and in my sin, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. 
Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings, and whole burnt offerings. <clears throat> then bulls will be offered to your, on your altar. So David, when he realized... When God opened his eyes and showed him where he had messed up, he said, against you, God, have I sinned. That the vertical relationship between God and man had been seared by David's act. That is the conviction that we as believers should have anytime we're thinking wrong, anytime we're feeling wrong, Anytime we're acting wrong, there should be a, a, a grief in us that points back to God. That says, I messed up against you. And I'm asking you to forgive me, which he already has on the cross. But again, that forgiveness on the cross should not then cheapen the grace of God. Where I can just do whatever I want to do because God don't forgive me anyway. That's not a heart transform. A heart transform says... I messed up against God and I am godly sorry that godly grief that that produces that 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 um that that leads to repentance that same searing of the heart that, that, that should be a transformation there and if we have a relationship with the Lord again a surefire way to know that you have a relationship with him how do I know I'm saved if you decide to try to do something wrong, you see Jesus standing in front of you and you're making a choice at this point. Do I keep do I run to the savior or do I run over the savior to do what I want to do? And if you do do what you want to do, is there a grief in your soul that says I sinned against God? Probably shouldn't have done that. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for the 4,000 likes that we have gotten today. Thank you for your gifts as well. And we're grateful for your attendance and your, um, in your time and your viewership. And we're certainly grateful for the comments in the comment box. Uh, feel free to drop down in that comment box with your comments, with your questions, with your concerns. And we're grateful and excited for all of you for being a part of this show on today. If you've missed any part of this show, you can go to Spotify and catch the recap of this and past episodes of the True Gospel Morning Show right there on Spotify. And soon we will be on Apple Podcasts as well. <clears throat> Let's see what's going on down in the... In the comment box, let's see, let's see, let's see. 
got going on in here. OMG Rab asked the question, which gospel is the real gospel? Um, the gospel of Jesus Christ is such that if you read, if you know, if you have... So, again, first off, again, let me put my disclaimer out there. Y'all know how we do here at the True Gospel Morning Show. Gotta put the disclaimer out there. Unless you have a relationship with the Lord, you are not going to understand anything that we're saying here. So we're not going to get into squabbles, and I'm not going to get into any squabbles with any person who doesn't believe in God. Gladly answer your questions as they come up, but we're not going to get into squabbles because, again, unless you have a relationship with the Lord, you're simply just not going to understand anything that we say. So, having put that disclaimer out there, for any of those of you who are unbelievers and any of those who, you know, want to get in here and start fights just for the sake of feeling like you got a platform that you can now say what you want to say on comma the gospel of jesus christ is it permeates throughout all 66 books of the bible you can literally find the gospel everywhere if you know how to look so there are different things there are different texts that you can read that will tell you straight up what the gospel is that then becomes the lens by which you're able to view the scriptures um one place in particular that i love to read um, all the time that reminds me of what the gospel is is second corinthians chapter 5 second corinthians chapter 5 tells us straight up what the gospel is um what the gospel is and what it does what it is and what it produces if again you know what you're looking at um um some people have taken um, some Bibles versions have taken this and labeled it as the ministry of reconciliation. Recon reconciliation is the is what God is up to as it pertains to trying to trying to bring this world back to its former glory. So Second Corinthians chapter five, <clears throat> starting at verse eleven. Um, where is it? There we go. Um, says this. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we but what we are is known to God, and I hope is also known to your conscience. We're not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. 
For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this. And here is the gospel message. That one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. That's the gospel. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's the gospel. That is, Christ, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, comma, here is the gospel, be reconciled to God, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so you see the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ repeating over and over and over again throughout that little piece of, what, of Paul's letter. It's a little piece, but the gospel is repeated about four or five times. The gospel is such, Christ has come to redeem this world of its sin, to reconcile us back to God. That is the gospel message. That gospel message can be stated 55 billion different ways and it still be the same message. Christ saves. Christ loves. Christ redeems. If you go to John 3:16 and 3 and 17, that's the gospel. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. Therefore, if you back up, when God says you must be born again, how are you born again? By believing in the gospel that Christ died that we might live. Because Christ died so that we so that we might live. He loved the world so much that he gave his son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is the gospel. If you go throughout the scriptures, time and time again, we find that in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, the gospel message is on repeat. Christ saves. Christ redeems. God saves. God redeems. People think that Moses... Um, and the parting of the Red Sea is about sla is about slaves being um, being redeemed, as if it pertains to you know um, you know um, slave slave um, slaves being um, brought slave masters and slave owners being brought to justice. But that is a picture of the character and nature of God saving and redeeming us from the slavery of sin. That He parted the sea. So that we can walk on dry ground of salvation. And our enemy, sin, our enemy, the devil, our enemy, death, could be swallowed up by the washing away, the purging 
of sin. That is a metaphor. What 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 God did for the Israelites when they when He saved them from Egypt is a metaphor of what Christ did for us when He saved us from our sins, saved us from the penalty of death. And all throughout Scripture, you can see that when when the when the mouths of the lions were shut for Daniel, when um when the Hebrew boys were thrown into the fiery furnace, when um. <clears throat> When Elijah went up against the um, went up against the um, the, the the prophets of Baal, on repeat we see God at work redeeming man. When Joseph saved his brothers from the famine, we see on repeat God saves, God redeems, God transforms, God God returns. Even when David um, messed up with Bathsheba and the son died, what happened? They we went and, 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 and had relations with Bathsheba and had another son was produced. Like God saves, God redeems, God restores. When Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac and there was a ram in the bush, Jesus. We see it. We see him. Christ saves. Christ redeems. That is the gospel on repeat. So the gospel of Jesus Christ is clear. But you have to have the eyes to see it. You have to have a heart to, to, to understand it and unpack it. And that only comes from God. If you don't have a heart transformed by God, you're not going to understand the gospel. A gospel that is so plain. Like, we, like it cannot be made any plainer than that. That's why I tell people all the time, I don't get in squabbles with people because it's, it couldn't be any plainer. Like I said, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you hear the gospel on repeat five or six times in just that little bitty passage. Gospel, 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 gospel. This is what the gospel is. This is what the gospel does. This is what the gospel is. This is what the gospel does. This is what the gospel is. Christ has come to save the world. This is what the gospel does. It saves us, transforms us, puts us on mission. Christ saves Christ, um, the gospel saves, the gospel does what it, what it, what it is, what it does, what it is, what it does all throughout second Corinthians chapter five. And so again, that is the gospel and that is what we preach. That is what we teach. That is what we give. That is what we, that's what we do to the glory of God. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for the 4,300 likes that we have received thus far. Thank you for the gifts that we've received. And also thank you for your viewership. Thank you for your time, your attention. And thank you so much for the comments that you're putting down in the comment box below. If you missed any part of this message, you can go to our Spotify and um, soon Apple Podcast as well um, and catch up on anything that you have missed on this and previous episodes. Let's go back into the comment box and see what's going on down in the comment box below. Um, uh, OMG says science fiction. Again, not going to argue with you. If that's how you feel, that's what's up, my brother. Um, that's what's up. Let's see. Um, Rose Musician fan says, you are brilliant. To God be the glory, man. It's all God. I'm just I'm just giving y'all what God has given us. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't really saying much. Foolishness of preaching, man. I ain't, I ain't, I am not brilliant. 
Um, uh, Steve says, keep seeking until you find out you already won with God, which is existence itself. Um, um, you see, well, the scripture does tells us, asking ye shall um, receive, seeking ye shall find, knocking the door shall be open to you. Um, that if you ask, seek, and knock, God is willing to give you, is, is, is willing and just to give us his spirit. And so, um, we are not one with God without Christ. Christ said, I am the way. Not me, not you, not anybody. But Christ is the way. If we want to be one with God, we have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. There is no God consciousness, no Christ consciousness. Don't let people dupe you with that. Because it, it, it sounds real pretty and it sounds real nice and it sounds easy. See, the problem with a lot of us is that we don't we don't want to put any work in, in, in our in our walk with God. We don't we don't want any work. We just want to be God. But but we don't we don't want to put in any work. We don't want to surrender to nobody. We don't want to you know be owned by anybody. We don't want to serve anybody. We just want to serve ourselves. So once again, as I said, in order for us to do what we want to do, we're gonna have to step over the cross. We're gonna have to step over Jesus. Because for a lot of us, we know what we're supposed to do, but we want so badly to do it our way. We don't want to do it God's way. We want to do it our way. So we'll wrap up what we really want to do in some nice Christianese and say, find out you're already one with God, which is existence itself. Where is that in scripture? Show, show, me, show me that in the word where Christ said, you're already one with God. That ain't what my Bible says. My Bible says, you want to be one with God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You're not one with God already. You are broken. You're, you're born into sin. You're not one with God when you are in this world. You are born in sin and born in iniquity. We're born with the, with the, with the, with the odds stacked all the way against us. The wages of sin is death. So we're not already one with God. That's not how that works. That's not how Christ, That's not how our believing in God works. That's not how following Christ works. If you're going to follow Christ, you've got to follow everything that he says. And there's nowhere in scripture where he says we are already one with him. Nowhere in scripture does he say that. Nowhere in the gospels does he say that. He says, if you want to be one with God, if you want to abide in me and I in you, you got to follow me. You got to take up your cross, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. It's that denying of self part that we we do we just don't want to get behind. We don't want to deny self. We don't want to die to self. We don't want to put ourselves down. We want to be so weak. We want to be exalted so badly. We are some mother loving glory thieves. We want to be glorified so badly and be the one so badly that we're willing to blaspheme against God and say God that say that God said things that he didn't. And that again is a demonstration of a heart that's so seared that it takes the power of God to get underneath that. Don't fall for the hype, my brothers and sisters. Do not fall for the hype. I'm gonna I'm I'm pin this so y'all can see what I'm talking about. Don't fall for the hype. This, that is, that is, 
That is twisted scripture to believe that we're already one with God. No, we're not. We have to be born again. We have to repent. We have to believe. We have to be regenerated. We have to be restored. We have to be converted by the power of God. Not by the power of man. There is nothing you can do to, uh, to get to a place where you are now in the God consciousness. Stop that foolishness. Because that is a fool's errand. To think that somehow I can become like God. No, you can't. Our job as humans is to become fully human. We can't be fully human without the Lord. He has placed eternity, a, a pit in the depths of our souls that nothing can fill. Nothing can fill the pit of our souls except for something eternal. So no, we are not trying to reach some kind of God consciousness so that we can then sit on a throne and say, I am God. Denounce that foolishness. It sounds real good because it allows you to be the master and commander of your own fate. And some people just don't want to give up control. They don't want to give up their destiny. They don't want to give up their dreams. They don't want to give up their endeavors. They don't want to give up their, 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 their desire to be on the throne. But if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to have to get up off that throne. If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to have to give that up. You're going to have to give us this idea that with the, well, we are in existence itself and so we're just really connecting to the one like we're in the Matrix. Bruh, stop that. Stop that. The Matrix sounds real good and there is some metaphoric truth of, that, of how Jesus is Neo and all that other bull crap. And at the end of the day, don't let that stuff, don't let that stuff fool you. Jesus said, I am the way. Jesus said, repent. Jesus said, believe. Jesus said, you must be born again. That is the way to God. Not we already are. Nah, bruh. One, we're, we're, not, we're not one with God without the Lord. We're not one with God without Christ. We're not ascribing to become God conscious. It's not, that's not, that's a fool's errand. Don't let people hype you up into believing that stuff. Because you start believing that stuff, you are following a faulty doctrine that's just going to lead you down a path of darkness. And sometimes you're going to get so far dark down there that God's going to give you over to a reprobated mind and you're never going to recover from that. Unless he decides to knock you off of the proverbial high horse and blind your eyes so that way your soul can finally see. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I um, hope that you guys are having a fantastic Friday morning thus far, <clears throat> and praying that um, that these um, that this message is um, you know encouraging you in a mighty and powerful way. If you missed any part of this recording, you can go to our Spotify and um, listen to any part that you may have missed. And thank you so so much for again for the 4,700 likes that we have received, the shares, the comments, the follows, and everything else in between. Hope you guys are having a fantastic day in the name of the Lord. For a second to turn the page back and we're going to go back down into these comments some more um let's see what we got what we got what we got 
Ronan asked the question, how do you know God is speaking to you? This is a good one. This is a good one. I'm going to pin this one real quick. How do you know that God is speaking to you? Um, so, um, the surefire way to know if God is speaking to you is if you can recognize his voice as it pertains to how he speaks in scripture. So you got to read your scriptures and you got to read them enough to where you can recognize the character and nature of God. What God is up to in the world, what his primary agenda is, um, and all that he has accomplished and, you know, who he is in the scriptures. Whatever God is saying to you will never contradict his word. So if you know his word... If you know the words that he's given us in this text, in these texts, then anything that he ever says to you will never contradict it. And so you got to know his word. If you know his word and you study his word long enough, it will help you to have a better understanding of how he sounds. Um, now, as I say that, I'm not saying that he's going to be saying like, you know, thus saith the Lord, thou shalt. That's not what I'm saying. And that's not what I'm saying. Um, because in Hebrew days, that's not what God sounded like. You know, in 1611, that's how they wrote. And so that's why the King James Version has the thighs and the dials and all that. That's just how they sound. That's how they wrote back then. You know, but prior to 1611 in the King James Version, that is not how they sounded. Um, so don't think that that's how God's supposed to speak. Thy and thou's people get so caught up in you know the King James just seems so much richer you know because it sounds just more poetic and just seems like that's how God would speak nah bro God will speak to you just like I'm speaking to you right now I'm gonna speak to you just like I'm talking to you plain as day he gonna read he gonna reach you on your level okay um but again to recognize the character and the nature of his voice you gotta know his word you gotta know enough of his word to where if he says something to you it doesn't contradict his word. It doesn't contradict the way that he sounds. It doesn't contradict the things that he loves. Doesn't contradict contradict the things that he hates. Doesn't contradict, you know, the way that he has gone about and ransomed himself to the world. It won't contradict what he's trying to do in this world. Prime example, um, and I've told you, I've told y'all about this before. And I'm gonna turn this fan off because I have gotten super cold. There we go. All right. <clears throat> um, had this guy, um, this, well, this woman in therapy once, and she said that her husband had told her, God, God told me that, you know, that, and he put it on my heart that we need to get a divorce. Um, there's something, there's some spiritual, you know, some breakthrough generational thing that I've got to do. And in order for me to do it, I've got to divorce you. I've got to, um, you know, get away from the kids. I can't have any responsibilities. I got to go and I got to do this thing on my own. God told me to do this. Now, where in scripture 
do you see God telling a man to break up with his his family in order to go complete a mission? You will you will never find that in scripture where God says to break up a family. A family that ain't doing nothing wrong. The wife's not doing anything wrong. The kids ain't doing nothing wrong. Everything's going fine. And God just wakes up and tells you, break up your whole family because I got a mission for you to solve. Where they do that at? Where, where do they do that in scripture? You got instances where the wife was caught in, adult, in adultery. I mean, straight up, straight up hoeing prostituting. I'm talking about she she getting it in. Tearing it down. And God tells Hosea, go get your wife. Go get her. Go get your wife and bring her home. Yeah, I know she out there hoeing. I know she out there she, 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 she is she is she tearing the house down. Go get her. Go out in them streets. Go find your wife and bring her home. And every time she go out, bring her back home. Now that is not a, a, that's again that's not a statement saying that if you know if you you if you you know sleeping around stay with him that was something that God prescribed but God prescribed that to him specifically to make it known that that is the character and nature of how God relentlessly pursues us. That's number one. Number two, the picture that God paints for marriage is that the, the a marriage is a representation of the of the relationship that God has with the church that Christ has with the church. So in what universe would God tell somebody, break up a happy home to go on mission? If anything, what we usually see God do, what we typically see God do is you and your wife and your kids get up and go and go do this thing that I'm calling you to do. That's what we usually see. Abraham, take your wife and all your possessions and go. Jacob, I mean, not Jacob, um, yeah, no, no, Jacob, you and your family get up and go, get up and move, I'm sending you back home, not Jacob go home and then come back to your family after the fact, no, you and your family and your livestock and everything, your slave and your slaves and servants, get up and go, that's what we typically see in scripture, and so, again, I'm saying that to say, how do you know that God's speaking to you? What does he say in scripture? Is what he's saying to you lining up with what he usually says in scripture? Now, again, here's my disclaimer. If you feel convicted in your heart and soul that God told you to do what you're doing, don't listen to, don't listen to anybody else. You better listen to God. Because who am I? I'm just, I, I ain't got a heaven or a hell to put you in. So if God is telling you to do whatever it is he's telling you to do, you better do that thing. But again, the surefire way to know that God is speaking to you is that it will not contradict it will not contradict scripture. So I would suggest if you if you're questioning whether what God is saying to you is indeed him, be patient. Pray, meditate. You know, seek wise counsel. Wise counsel. Don't be going to everybody talking about, I feel like God said this to me, but I'm not sure. Don't go to everybody with that. Some people think you're crazy. Some people just don't have that good discernment with God and will end up leading you in the wrong direction. So don't go, don't take that to everybody you know. But 
um, be patient with what God is giving you. If you're feeling led by God to do something and it's and 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 you're you're trying to figure out whether this really is of him, does it sound like God does does it sound like God? Does it sound like the God of the scriptures? Now, if you're trying to decide between one job and another job, just pick the better job. Stop playing with it. Pick the better option, stop playing. Like it, it don't take, you know, God put me in the right scripture to show me whether or not I'm supposed to move to Mark, Tennessee. Like, don't, don't, it ain't, it ain't that deep. It ain't that deep. Pick the better option and go. But now if you know that one of these options is going to lead you astray, please, obviously don't pick that one, obviously, but pick the, but if you got two good options, and both of them, you can God, you gonna honor God. You gonna you can you gonna serve the Lord, you know, and you know you're gonna do well on the job. Just pick the better option and move. And move. Don't paralyze yourself by thinking God's got to give me a sign by showing me two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree to know that this is where I'm supposed to go. Don't do that. Just pick the better option and move. You play you play too much. Um, and so that's how again you know how God is speaking to you. If you are able to, if you are able to hear his voice and by hearing, you know, what God is actually saying. Um, Cause again, give me one second. I'm writing stuff down. You know, that's how we know, you know, that God is speaking to us. You know, it does it line up with what he says in his word. Does it line up with what he says in his word is the voice that you're hearing is that the same voice that speaks in these scriptures? Because that, that man I was talking to y'all about, eventually he fessed up and, and basically said, the doctor said that I had a type of some type of um disease, um, that I had some type of issue, and the issue was coming from stress. And I and I boiled it down that my wife was stressing me out. So I think I need to divorce her because she's a, she's the source of my stress. And I don't want to die. Like, dude, why you lying? Talking about God told me this. Just, just tell the truth. Thank you for the gift. Like, why you just, just tell the truth? I don't want to be my wife no more. She's stressing me out. Don't throw God's name in that. Don't do that. Don't do that. That wasn't God. That was you. God told me to do this. You trying, you trying to, trying to use him as a scapegoat? Just tell the truth. Your wife's stressing you out, and rather than talk to her about the stress that she that she's putting you through to see whether or not she can stop stressing you out, you decide I'm gonna get a divorce. But let me wrap it up in some in Christianese to try to make it easier. Now you destroy the whole. Now you destroy the whole family. Kids angry with you. The the wife can't stand you, all because of your selfishness and pride. But you try to put God's name in that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't put God's name in that. That ain't right. But again, he talking about he heard from God. So again, like I said, if you heard from him, I'm sorry, God. I my bad. I'm you know, please don't 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 do nothing to me because I'm I'm not trying to I'm not trying to say what is not you you and what is you ain't you. I'm sorry if that if that's you if you told him to do that, but go forth, brother, and do what you got to do. And I'm praying God's success in in in, in everything. But I know these scriptures. And I'm a fruit inspector. And that don't sound like God to me. Again, what do I know? I'm just I'm just a disciple of Christ, you know. I just, you know, just read some scriptures every now and then. 
you know, all that jazz. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, thank you guys for the five for the 5,400 likes that you've given so far. Thank you for the gifts that are being given, and thank you for your time and your viewership. You guys are in it. Y'all are on it in this comment section today. Like, I've got so many things that I've written down, and y'all are, like, on a, on a real one in this um, comment box. And so this is freaking good. I like this, man. This is this is freaking awesome. Um, let's see. Um, let's see what's going on. Um. Oh, Lucianne Brown asked a question. A lot of people argue about what the um 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 what the what the definition of repentance and how to. What does rep, rep, what does repentance mean? And Cypress Mark says, good morning, I like your shirt. I got my shirt. I got my shirt. It says, be transformed. You got a little cross in the middle. I really like my shirt. I got my shirt um, earlier this week, and I was saying I'm going to wear it on Friday um, so y'all can see it. So I'm really glad that you like it. Um, but what does repentance mean? Uh, so let me write it down. So repentance is literally turning it's a turn it's a turning right and so when we talk about repentance there are there 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 are two different types of repentances that the christian goes through there is the initial repentance of salvation and then there is the continual repentance of sanctification okay so repentance is literally a turning. And what we are, we're, we're, when we turn, we're turning away from something and toward something else. We're turning away from something and turning toward something else. Um, the best way to describe this is to go to Second Corinthians, uh, um, nope, I'm sorry, go to Colossians chapter 3. One of my favorite passages of scripture. Colossians chapter 3. No, I'm pin it again. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Jew and Greek, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. 
Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and, if one has complained against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called into one body, and be thankful. So, initial repentance then, is a denouncing of anything that we love more than God. Denouncing of anything that we love more than God. To sin is to do anything, love anything, desire anything more than God. Or to do anything that is outside of the will of God. That is what it means to sin. So what do I so what so what do I mean by that? Sometimes we can do a good thing in an ungodly way. And that is sinful. Unbelievers can enjoy sex just like believers can. Unbelievers can enjoy food same way that believers can. Unbelievers can enjoy wine the same way that believers can. The difference is that when believers enjoy those things, their um, worship terminates on the thing itself. Whereas for the believer, our worship in the thing that we're doing rolls up to a worship to God. So even a good thing, having a good job, sustaining a good marriage, having a good family, doing great things in the world, enjoying leisure time, those things can still not be God-honoring. Whereas for the believer, the things that we do, we do them to honor God in a way that honors God. So the difference between a believer and an unbeliever is a denouncing of these things as it pertains to our affection, attention, and allegiance. For the person who, who, who uh, you know, is working a job, they will work that job and work their fingers to the bone trying to make money, trying to make money, trying to make money because their pursuit is money. Their pursuit is title. Their pursuit is prestige. Their pursuit is, you know, being able to lord over people, right? For the believer, we denounce the desire for money, the love of money. We denounce the desire for title and prestige more in, in terms of that I don't want this, I don't want those things more than I do God. I'm grateful if I get them. But even if I have them, I'm not going to worship them more than I worship God. God is the uppermost of my affections. See, a lot of us think that it's difficult to worship God in the bad times, but it is also difficult to worship God in the good times because sometimes we can have everything and forget God's name. Just like we can get pissed off at God because he's not helping us in the hard times the way we think he should be helping us and we denounce him because we don't because he ain't helping us like we want him to. But in either case, it shows and highlights what we're truly worshiping. 
So repentance then, initial repentance, is a denouncing of anything that we can put above God. I'm turning away from my sin. I'm turning away from my from my desires. I'm turning away from anything that I cannot do and honor God. And I'm turning my attention and my affection and my allegiance to him. I pledge allegiance to Jesus. I'm loving Jesus more than anything else. It's a declaration. It is a declaration. That is an initial repentance. And that comes by the Holy Spirit. To denounce all others, to forsake all others and pledge fidelity to the king of, to the, king of the universe. That is what repentance is. It is pledging allegiance and fidelity and love. We're getting married. We're forsaking all others and getting married to the king. That is what initial repentance is. I'm, 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 I forsake all others and I'm pledging my fidelity to the king. Now, continual repentance then. Because that's what gets us in the kingdom. So you're in the kingdom. Once you're in, you're in. There is no coming out. Once God's got you, no, there's no coming out of that. Continual repentance then is the ongoing struggle of our spirit versus our flesh. And we are constantly being pulled one way or another. And so we have to know where we're being pulled and either stay where we're supposed to be or by the power of the Holy Spirit, turn ourselves back. Because just because we're saved don't mean we ain't going to struggle with sin. Some days will be easier than others, but we still going to struggle nonetheless. So we, the believers, have to constantly turn back to God, constantly turn back to the Savior, constantly put our face in his face, constantly seek him to set our minds on things above and not on things of earth. We've got that's a continual thing that we do every single day from now till kingdom come. That is continual repentance. That repentance is not what gets us in the kingdom. Let's be clear. Initial repentance is the declaration. Again, if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart in Jesus Christ and that, that God raised him from the dead, you are saved. So that is a declaration. A declaration. I am forsaking all others and pledging allegiance and affection and attention to Jesus Christ. Pledging fidelity to Jesus Christ. That's initial. That's what gets you in the kingdom. So in continual repentance of sanctification, that is not what gets you into the kingdom. Salvation produces obedience. Obedience is not a prerequisite for salvation. So, so please remember that. Salvation produces obedience. Obedience is not a prerequisite for salvation. If it was, then it nullifies Christ's finished work on the cross. If you have to obey to get in, then Christ died for nothing. And all this gospel talk that we that we spoke of earlier today in just in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 alone was for is for nothing. It's all for naught. Because we're saying, okay, Christ, you did that work and everything, but I got to work to get in. 
Repent, continual repentance is not a declaration of, I'm trying to get in the kingdom. I'm trying to get in the kingdom. No, we get in the kingdom because of what Christ did. And our declaration, therefore, is spirit-driven, spirit-led, spirit-produced. As God replaces the heart of stone and transfers a heart of flesh within us that causes us to want to love him and to love his precepts. He puts a spirit within us that loves him, honors him, and worships him. That gets us in. We're in the kingdom. So continual repentance then is the constant struggle between the spirit and the flesh as we're as they're warring. And we are de- making the declaration every day, turning my face toward him, turning my face toward him, turning my face toward him. So that is the difference. That is what repentance is. That is what repentance is. And so again, initial declaration, continual Putting those things to death that are not like him and setting our mind on things above where Christ is. That we are constantly walking in the spirit and we're no longer walking in the flesh. We are literally putting sin and flesh and shame and death to death every single day from now till kingdom come. In the comfort of knowing that even if we make mistakes, God does not count those mistakes against us because we are in the kingdom. We're in the kingdom. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. Thank you for the 5,500 likes that we've received today. I'm going to scroll down into um, these these, uh, um, comments and see what's going on. Um, Let's see. Um, user 90885486902868. I felt like doing that for some reason. I don't know. Um, ask the question, do you believe God needs us like we need him? Heck to the no, no, no. God don't need now one of us. Never has, never will. So no, um, I don't believe that. He don't need us. He wants us, but he don't need us. He is God. Said it himself as it pertains to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives all gives to all mankind life, breath, and everything. God don't need us. And if you're believing in any way, shape, or form that he does, scratch that from your memory. God don't need us. He is not He is not a man that needs to be served. He doesn't, he's not a man that needs anything from us. We can't, we ain't got nothing that he ain't, that he don't already own. He's the king of the universe. He created all this. He don't need us. He is a spirit. He is a supreme being. He is the, he is the eternal one. We don't, he, we don't need, we, we don't need us. We need him. We gonna need him forever, ever. Even when, even when, even when heaven and earth pass away and he brings us and ushers us into the new heavens and earth, he ain't gonna need us. Period. Point blank. He ain't out here saying, oh, please worship me. Oh, God, I feel so faint and weak. Oh, please, please worship me. I need your praise. I need your worship. Oh, God, please worship me. Oh, I'm so, I feel so faint. 
He is not like those kings on, on on those gods on what the movie was called the uh, the 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 wrath of the wrath of the um wrath of the clash of the titans and wrath of the titans they were like we need the praise of them that's why we're so weak because they won't praise us anymore that is not God <laughs> God looked at that movie and was like um nah bruh. no that ain't it that ain't it Mm-mm. that ain't that ain't how this work God don't need us we we need him long before he need us. Like I tell y'all all the time, God could kill me, create another me, give him all my thoughts, my memories, the grays in my beard, and put him in this body, and I wouldn't even know I died. I probably just died just then. Don't even know it. That's just how good God is. God don't need God don't need us. Get out of here with that. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Let us see what is going on in the comment section uh chosen one seven 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 how's everyone doing doing great if you're still here hope you're still here with us hope you're having a great day um let's see explain why you are walking with Cain's curse I don't understand the question um can you um explain the synoptic problem I don't know what that is. Um, what the synoptic problem is. So let me write that down. I'll research it and then I get back to you on another day in time. Synoptic problem. I don't know what that is. So I don't know what, I don't know what to do with that. Um, I don't understand what that is either. I don't understand what that is. Um, you sound like a Scientologist. Ah, oh, that, okay. I see it. it was not talking to me. Um, <laughs> Idy said, I think we need a disclaimer again. Sure, I don't mind giving it. As I tell y'all all the time, and I tell you once again, Unless you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you're not going to understand anything that we're talking about in this um in this live. Point blank, period. And so, unless you have a relationship with the, with the Lord, everything we say is going to go in one ear and out the other. And so, you y'all y'all can argue in the box all day long. I'm not going to stop you. You know, you start getting a little aggressive and start getting really um um what's the word I'm looking for insulting you know then i'll mute you but as long as y'all keeping it classy y'all can argue in the box all day long you know i ain't i'm not gonna bother you about it um but you're not gonna get any argument out of me because i already know where i already know where you stand when it comes to the position in which you're holding in the in the turf that you're defending so i'm not gonna i don't have to defend god to you that i don't ha i don't have to do that god does his own defending god my, my god is so powerful he don't need any defending from anybody i just told y'all he don't he ain't one to be served by human hands i don't so i'm not going to sit here and try to defend him to anybody what i will do is answer questions accordingly you know to what the scriptures that we do have and you know and you know hope that your heart is touched in some type of way but i'm not going to get into an argument with you like because at the end of the day i already know where you stand um, and by virtue of the fact that you're on this live and you see what this show is about, you should already know where I stand. And so us getting into an argument ain't going ain't gonna to make a hill of difference. Um, but you are still welcome to be here. And I'm grateful that you are and hope that you come back. Like, don't stop. Don't stop coming. Keep keep coming. You know, but again, I'm not going to get into a squabble with you. I, y'all, you, y'all, y'all can do that. 
Y'all, the comment section is for you. Just remember to keep it classy. That's all I ask. Like, don't don't start insulting. Don't trade barbs. You start doing that type of stuff, then I'm then I start getting banned. I ain't I ain't nobody time for that. Um, and so again, you know, just keep that in mind. But again, the comment box is for y'all. But it's not. But I'm not gonna get into a squabble with you because, like I said, I already know where you stand. You already know where I stand. So ain't no point in us going back and forth unless you have some genuine questions with which you are looking for genuine answers and not just trying to catch catch a person in a gotcha moment because ain't nobody got time for that. Um, so, um, let's see. I don't know. I don't know if he's talking to me with that. Um... Um, for example, Challenge Religion says I can disprove the Abrahamic God in under three minutes. Congratulations. Okay. So what you, so what are you trying to accomplish? You want us to stop talking about God? You want me to stop the show? Like why, why do you care to denounce and disprove God in three minutes? Like what's your end game? You want you want me to you want to shut down the show like what's what's your point in doing that? Because all I'm gonna do is just say congratulations. I'm glad that you disproved the Abrahamic God. So now I'm gonna go back to what I was doing before. Like what's 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 your end game? What's your point? Like you want a cookie for disproving the Abrahamic God? That's again why I tell y'all don't get in the squabbles with these folk. Cause for what? That's what that's what they want to do. They want to, They that's what they want. So let them have it. Like I always say, God loves you and wants a relationship with you. God loves you and wants a relationship with you. But let's see what else we got. Nick R. asked the question, why would an all-knowing God bother telling Adam and Eve to not eat an apple he knew they would? Um, the reason for telling him that, telling them that is because it's a, it was a guardrail. Um, and it characterizes the character and nature of God, that God, that we as people have limits. Um, and so that was the limit. And it was a, a desire for us to trust God when he tells us, not here. Don't do that. Stop here. So he put that there as a guardrail. Um, it's a guideline. It's a hard rule. We as people, 
we want to do what we want to do, how we want to do it, when we want to do it, whenever we want to do it, and we don't want anybody telling us no. And so God puts things in our path and puts guardrails up to say, do you trust me for your flourishing? Do you trust me for your flourishing? Do you trust me? It's very, it's very simple. See, we think that freedom is the ability to do whatever we want. But true freedom, whew, true freedom for the believer, for the believer in God. Oh my God. Listen, if, if, if y'all are in this comment box commenting on these people, I need y'all to stop what you're doing and listen to me. I need y'all to stop what you're doing and listening to me and listen to me. Um, because I don't want you to get caught up in getting in, in continuing in the squabbles. I need you to stop what you're doing and listen and, and listen to me. If you never listen to me again, I need you to stop what you're doing and listen to me now. Thank you, Holy Ghost. We think that freedom is doing whatever we want to do. But true freedom for the believer is doing whatever God wants us to do. That is true freedom. And it's freedom because that is what we were designed to do. What God wants us to do. And that's why it takes God doing that work in us. Because that's what true freedom is. Doing what God wants us to do. So we can get into nuances of, you know, did Adam and Eve ever stand a chance, blah, 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 and all that type of stuff. And, you know, we can think about, you know, um, and, and take it to the gospel and show that this is this is always in God's plan of, you know, showing us, you know, who, how he loves us and his character and his nature, all that jazz. Like we can get into the nuances of that on another day. We already did that this week. I'm not going to get into it again. But, you know, true freedom is doing what God wants because we, the believers, know, according to Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for the good of them who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. God's good sometimes requires that we adhere to the guardrails the guidelines, the hard lines that he draws in the sand that says, don't go here, don't do this, don't step here, don't go that way, because God knows if you do what I tell you to do, your life will flourish. If you do what I ask, your life will flourish. See, the thing we miss about the, the tree in, in the garden is that he, they had all the other trees. We get so caught up in, well, God would not, God wouldn't let them have that one. He gave them the other 99. We're so dissatisfied because we just got to have one more. But God is saying, you want to flourish? Go this way. Do this. Peace is this way. Love is this way. Joy is this way. Why do you need to have this one thing over here too? 
when I'm trying to tell you that is the path of death. The Lion King. What did Mufasa say to Simba? Everything the light touches is our kingdom. And when they did the panorama, the kingdom was huge. But there's the Badlands over there. And Simba just got to go to the Badlands. Don't go over there, Simba. You're not ready for that, Simba. That's not our kingdom, Simba. You must never go there, Simba. Nala, guess what? I found a secret place we're going to go to. Dummy. That's us. You got all this flourishing over here. All of this flourishing. But I just got to have this. Because somebody said I can't. They said you can't because if you do it, you're, gonna, you, you're stupid for doing it. And I don't mind saying it. You're stupid for doing it. You're dumb for doing it. I got to have it my way so bad. God must be an evil God if he's going to withhold something from me. He's withholding from you because he knows that if you go down this path, human flourishing is not going to, going to happen in that direction. It's going to happen this way. But we got to have it our way so bad. And then want to blame God. Well, God should have never put the tree there in the first place. Well, God should have never made it an option in the first place. It's called trust. It's called trust. Everything that the kingdom has, we can have. Everything that God says we can have, we can have. But there are some things that God said we can't have. But we want what we can't have so bad that we're willing to step over Jesus, step over God, step over the cross, step over his guardrails, step over his boundaries so that we can have the one thing we shouldn't have and then catch an attitude with the God of the universe because we decided to, out, to, to step out of line. We mad at God because Adam and Eve stepped out of line. I ain't mad at God. I'm mad at Adam and Eve. All they had to do was tell the serpent, nah, bruh, God said we can have everything but that. And I'm going to stick with the everything. I don't care what you say. But instead, they just got to have the, the one thing. They just gotta, I got I to gotta have the knowledge of God. I got to have the knowledge of good and evil. It's look, look, real good. And I bet it tastes real good, too. I had all the other ones now, and they taste delicious. But I got to taste this one. I want to be like God, even though I'm already made in his image. But I want to be like God. I want to be like him. I want to think like him. I want to I be like him. I want to be able to, 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 to be the master in command. I want to be God. I want to be on my own throne. I don't want to listen to him. I want to know more than him. I want to disprove him in three minutes. Because I know more than him. I'm smarter than him. I'm wiser than him. So I'm going to step over the cross. I'm going to step over God. I'm going to step over Jesus. So then I can do what I want to do. God puts guardrails in our lives for a reason. But we so busy wanting to do whatever we want to do that we can't see that there's safety, protection, and human flourishing in the guardrails that God has put up in our lives. That God has prescribed in our lives. Because we just got to have it all. 
I can't have a God who's telling me what to do. That's not love. It is. What good parent doesn't chastise their children? What good parent doesn't put guardrails up for their children? What good parent doesn't set them up for flourishing? But we want to be the rebellious ones. We want to be the ones who have all control of our lives. But then sit up here and wonder why things fall apart the way that they do. Because we so jacked up when we try to do things our way. Mind you, we live in a broken world where broken people do broken things and broken things happen to broken people. But sometimes we're the ones doing the breaking. Because we want so badly to do things our way. Wanted so badly to be the master and commanders of our universe. Why did he put them in it? Put the put. Why did he put the tree in the garden as a guardrail to tell them, "Trust me when I say, everything the light touches is our kingdom. Leave that alone. Don't leave it alone. Do what I do. What I said." Trust me, leave that alone. It don't get any simpler than that. But no, we just got to have it our way, right? Just got to have one more. Just got to have one piece, one extra thing, and now want to blame God for that. Man, get out of here. Listen, I want to thank you all so much from the bottom of my heart for watching this show on today. Um, I do thank you for the 6,000 likes, the 6,200 likes that we received today. Thank you for every follow. Thank you for every share. Thank you for every comment that's been in the comment box. Thank you all so much for your participation today. This has been one of the liveliest crews that we've had on the show since its um, inception. And so I really do thank you all from the bottom of my heart for making this Friday one of the best shows that we've had thus far. Thank you so much for the teddy bear, Asha. I appreciate you so, so much for that. Um... Listen, guys, we're here Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, and you can also catch us live on Sunday during our morning worship service if you don't have anywhere to be. We go live at 9 a.m. Um, and so if you'd like to watch um, the, the our, um, our, our morning worship service, uh, we will have one here um, at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning. That's, again, Eastern Standard Time. Um, if you've missed any part of this show, you can go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts, sometime, uh, Apple Podcasts at some point uh, within the next couple of weeks and catch replays of every show um, that we've created thus far uh, on the True Gospel Morning Show. Again, thank you guys so, so much from the bottom of my heart. As always, if you can't see the good, be the good. I love you guys. Peace out, homies.